0: A little bit about what I want us to think about this morning. And uh, even though you couldn't see me and he couldn't see me, I was listening to Brother Tommy uh, this morning in the Sunday school hour, and he talked about the confidence that we can have in the Word of God and how there's so many that want to pervert the gospel and take us away from the truth uh, of God and want to slip in. As he mentioned, he said, If I was the devil, I wouldn't go into outright heresy. I would slip in little by little. And uh, that's the truth. Amen. That's what the devil is doing with the Bible verse. And uh, issue, amen. And uh, so I, I want us to look at, I believe, one of the most important passages in Scripture concerning the Word of God, and that is here in Genesis chapter number three. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is uh, in the midst of the garden, God hath said, "Ye shall not, uh, ye shall not eat, uh, eat of it; neither shall you touch it, lest you die." And the woman said, the serpent said of oh, the woman, "Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that you eat, the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil." And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree. To be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam said, and Adam and his wife, excuse me, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened on the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring to thee, and thou shalt and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy brow shalt, uh, thou, shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out, of it thou, uh, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and on a dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wives did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. You may be seated. We'll conclude our reading there this morning. Let's bow before the Lord for a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, Lord, as gratefully and humbly, God, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for another day, and Lord, for another opportunity to come into your house, to be able uh, to open the Word of God, to be able to open, Lord, our songbooks, and sing uh, out of our songbooks, and sing songs of worship and and praise and adoration to you, to be able to open our Bibles and hear it taught as it was so, uh, so uh, just... Lord, just it was it was done so well uh, this morning as Brother Tommy taught this sanctuary class with the adults, and Lord God, no doubt in the other classes of how it was taught uh, well and with great love and devotion for Your book that You've given us. Lord, I have doubt in my mind as I, Lord, pastor this church and preach multiple times every single, and give, uh, on my heart to these people, that this is a group of people that love the Word of God, Lord, that want to hear the Word of God, that believe that your answers for life, Lord, you have something for them uh, out of the Word of God. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, I thank you, God, that I'm not standing up and in front of uh, Lord a congregation of people who do not love the Bible and do not love the you and what you have to tell us but Lord they want to hear from you and God they they, they endure and maybe even at times possibly could enjoy uh, Lord the preaching that comes across the pulpit but Lord I know they definitely endure it when I preach and Lord God they do it because they love the book and they love you and they want to hear from you I pray dear God that you would help me to give them that they want, you can use life in a very real and powerful and life-changing way lord god that you would fill me with the holy ghost lord that i may that i may be used in that way may i be nothing more than just a glove in which you place your hand may i be your mouthpiece to this congregation in this moment in this window of opportunity today and lord i pray to your god that the gospel would go forth in power that souls would be saved the god would go forward, uh, Lord, that to those that are here, uh, God would grow in their faith that are saved. And Lord, those that are saved, but not where they need to be with you, would come to where they need to be with you. Lord God, they'd get right with you today. Please, Lord, help me as I try to preach. Recall to my mind things that I've studied. Recall to my mind that which you would have for me uh, to give to your people today. Give me clarity of thought, I pray. And Lord, I pray that you would help me as I right, try to rightly divide the word of truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd make this clear uh, to be understood and powerful as only you can in the name that is above every name in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen I don't know like I said I don't really know what to call uh, this message but uh, as we look in this chapter this morning I just want to continue on with a theme of the day and that is uh, about the word of God and how uh, you and I should approach the word of God I mean and in prayer, uh, that I'm glad that we have a church here that loves the Word of God. Amen? And we know what Bible is the Word of God, and we love that Bible, and we uh, do our best to teach and to preach from uh, the very Word of God. Amen? And you would be surprised how many people are gathering this very moment at churches across this great land of ours, and they are gathering with, uh, they're gathering together, and there will be no word that'll be preached. They'll uh, be no true uh, Bible preaching and Bible teaching uh, but they will come and they'll gather and they'll call what they're having church but they'll have a concert to start off with and a motivational speech to end it with and uh, Brother Tommy was making a joke about uh, being in Amway earlier and yes I did hear that amen and uh, and that doesn't date you either by the way amen uh, but was making a joke about being in Amway and I'll say this uh, you could have got a really good motivational speech in Amway amen But the Amway meeting was not church, amen? And uh, those guys, it's it's not meant to be, amen? Uh, When we come to church, we're not coming to church to just have a motivational speech, amen? But we're coming to hear from God and to meet with God. How do we hear God's voice uh, when we meet here in the house of God? How do we hear God's voice when we uh, are in our uh, day-to-day existence? How do we hear God's voice? We hear it by picking up a Bible and opening opening its pages and reading what God said. Amen. This is God's love letter to mankind. This is God's information manual to mankind. This is what God would have for you and I to know. It's been said in the past uh, that if you were to take B-I-B-L-E, it could stand as an acrostic for basic instructions before leaving earth. Amen. And uh, that's what the Word of God gives us. Amen. Now there are times that I study it. I don't know how basic it is at times, amen, uh, but it is our instruction, amen, basic in the sense when you're talking about the source, amen, if I can understand any of it, considering uh, where this, who the source is, amen, it's pretty basic, amen, and I thank God for the Word of God this morning, amen. I guess we can entitle the message, I love my Bible uh, and the devil doesn't, amen, and that's really what we're looking at this morning in Genesis chapter number three is the story of a devil that hates God's word and does everything that he can to attack the word of God. And here in these verses notice with me first of all this morning uh, the context of these verses. Notice the Bible here says in verse number one now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And so when we look in verse number one we realize that the serpent has come into God's garden and here he begins uh, to have a conversation that will forever change the course of this world. You say preacher why is that? Because it is here as the result of this conversation when the serpent uh, who is the devil and I'll look, we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But when we think about who this is, we realize that this serpent is coming in and he has a conversation with this lady that we would know according to verse number 20, that uh, will later be called Eve as we know her today. And this conversation as a result of what is taking place here is where all of the human race was plunged into sin. If you want to know the very moment where humanity was uh, w- w- was uh, plunged into sin. Uh, you can look at verse number 6 where we lost complete fellowship with God and where all of the human race after these first two individuals, Adam and Eve, were plunged into sin. You look at verse number 6 where the Bible said, and the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired. Uh, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And here is where mankind was plunged into sin. Where the Bible said, and, uh, and gave all also unto her husband, and he did eat. Mankind is not a sinner just simply because Eve took of the fruit, but it was because Adam, her spiritual leader and the head of that family and the figurehead of the human race, when he took the fruit and he bit into it. And the Bible says, Paul said that Adam was not in uh, that Adam was not deceived. Amen. Eve was deceived by this certain in their conversation, but Paul said that, he, that Adam was not deceived. When he took of the fruit, he knew exactly what he was doing. And because of that, he plunged all of the descendants after him. He fell in sin and all of his descendants and all of mankind now inherit a sin, inherit a sin nature from the very moment of conception. If you're here this morning and you're wondering if you're a sinner or not, uh, the answer is simply the Yes, yes. Every person ever born in this world is a sinner. I believe that you're either a lost sinner or you're a saved sinner, but all of us have a sin nature because of what happened in this very moment. Amen. Now, the difference in being a lost sinner and being a saved sinner is what you do with Jesus Christ if you trust what He did on Calvary and you trust in Him by faith. Amen. Your sin nature until we get to heaven will never be eradicated, but friend, you can be blood-bought and saved. Amen. Like we were singing about Joseph a moment ago. Amen. I wonder this morning, are you a lost sinner? Are you, uh, are you saved by the grace of God, a saint of God? Amen. Here we find the context here is that God has uh, has created the world in uh, the previous chapters, that God uh, has created on the sixth day man. And uh, then uh, later on we find that he took up a piece of man and created woman and instituted the first family and uh, the first. uh, Marriage, Amen. When we come to this passage, that we find Adam, he is here, he is in the garden, he is doing a job that God created him to do. And by the way, you don't have to go very far uh, in the Bible, Amen. Just uh, just one and two chapters in uh, to realize that it's not God's will for men, especially to be lazy, Amen. Uh, It's not God's will for you and I to just uh, to just uh, want to live off the government, Amen. Uh, when we have able bodies and strong backs and able uh, to work, amen, why was God Why was man created? I believe he was created, amen, because God wanted to have fellowship with him, and then as soon as he was created, God gave man a job, amen. If a man, does, if a man that is a real man doesn't have a job, he'll go crazy, amen, doesn't have something to do, man finds their purpose in life, yes, in the Lord Jesus Christ, but also from what they can do. Amen. Amen. God created that in man and gave man a job. And so Adam is doing that job in the garden. God gave Adam there into the garden to name all of the animals, to take care of them, uh, to tend uh, to the garden. Amen. And so now we find that Adam now in the middle of his job, God brought him a partner for life, brought brought him his wife. Amen. Not a husband, brought him a wife. Amen. God's in Attention for uh, the, the home. Amen. As there to be as Dr. Stan Wardlaw told me and my wife and our marriage counseling marriage is simply this. When it is falls into God's plan it is one man and one woman and one lifetime and that's what God's plan is. Amen. And so we find God uh, instituting His plan in Adam and Eve's life. Here we see so many of the things that we're battling today. Uh, even amen. And we think about all of the different things that's going on in the world today when it comes to that very statement about how God meant for the home to be. Amen. So we see that here in the context. Secondly, let me say this, not only must we see the context here, but number two, I want to mention something. I want to give some clarity this morning. Now let me say this. Look at verse number one. The Bible said, "Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made." And he said unto the woman, "Yea, God said." And he sh- and she sa- and sa- yeath God said, "Yea, God You shall not eat of every tree of the garden.'" Throughout this chapter, you will find that the Bible here is talking about uh, Adam who has already been named and he will be named at times uh, in this chapter and other times he's called the man in this chapter. You find uh, the woman which we know according to verse number 20 is named Eve. That's what we call her. Amen. But yet, but when the chapter begins, that is not her name yet. She doesn't get named until verse number 20. Throughout the beginning parts of this chapter, her name is woman. That is the name that God gave her in creation. And so therefore, uh, we see uh, these characters. We see Adam. We see uh, him as the man. We see Eve, who uh, in the early part is called the woman. And then we see this individual that is called the serpent. If you'll notice throughout this chapter, although if you've been in Sunday school and church long enough, yeah, if I said, who is the serpent? Everyone here would say uh, who it is. However, there is no name given in chapter number three to who this serpent is. I understand who it is, but let me just remind you not if if you were to be asked, who is this serpent? And you say, oh well, uh, as many of us would, and I think you would, we'd all say, that's Satan that's the devil. What if someone came to you and asked, how do you know that's the devil? Go with me please real quickly, and this will be just a small quick point. Go with me real quick to Revelation chapter number 12. Revelation chapter number 12. In the very first book of our Bible we see this serpent coming into a garden. And all the way at the very last book of our Bible we find out that the one that is causing problems in the very beginning of it all in Genesis chapter number 3 is still causing problems 66 books later. He is still causing issues, and uh, according to chapter number 12, uh, here and then in chapter number 20 and verse number two, chapter Revelation chapter 12, verse nine, Revelation chapter 20 and verse number two, uh, we see that God wanted us to know clearly who this serpent is, and that if this is the devil and we believe that it is, and these verses will tell us uh, that it is, that he all of these years later is still known. For being a serpent. Look at chapter 12 verse 9. The Bible says. And the great dragon was cast out. Notice there's some names. He calls him a dragon here. But then there's some other names given. That old serpent. Called the devil. And Satan. Which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. So if anybody asks you who that serpent is and how you know, you give them the answer. How do you know anything in the spiritual world? I know it because of God's word said so. The Bible here calls him that old serpent. Even after all of these years, and even though this moment in the garden seems like ancient history, the devil, God still wants us to know. Amen. As in the wind. And by the way, this is not taking place yet. This this uh, Revelation chapter. Number Number 12, we're not there yet. That's coming. And even in days that are still yet to be, friend, he's still gonna be known as a serpent amen. By the way, I'll say this, I think what God called him in the Bible, amen, when you think about the way he acts, you think about his character, amen, I don't think there's a better thing that you could have called him, amen. There's a reason why uh, when we look at snakes and we, there's a, there's a reason why uh, there is a, there's a sense of evil there, amen. By the way, you're looking at, so you may love snakes, but you're looking at somebody don't care anything about them, Amen. I, you know, I don't, you know, I've heard it said the only kind of snake, only kind of good snake is a dead snake. I don't even believe that. Amen. Because a living snake will hurt you. A dead snake will make you hurt yourself. Amen. So there is no good good kind of snake. Amen. Amen. I remember one time when I was a kid, my mom was deathly afraid of snakes. And I thought it would be good to have a practical joke on mama. By the way, never good to have a practical joke on mama. Because not only does, does mama get mad, daddy gets mad too. Amen. And I thought it'd be a good idea. I had a very realistic looking. By the way, guys, let me say, that don't do this, okay? Somebody's. I'm going to be giving ideas to some of these kids. I'm telling you, do not do, amen, what preacher's about to say, amen. I don't remember whether I was saved or not, amen. If I was saved at the time, I was still very young, amen, and didn't know any better, amen. I've asked God to forgive me of everything I've done, amen. I don't know whether I named that one specifically, but I'm sure I have somewhere along the way. Amen. I've enjoyed fellowship with God since, so apparently that's under the blood. Amen. Uh, But let me me say this this morning about about that. I thought it'd be a good idea. Uh, I had a very realistic, and I say very realistic toy rubber snake that somebody had bought me, probably my grandmother, to be honest with you. My mom wouldn't have bought it. My dad wouldn't have bought it. It had to be a grandparent involved somewhere. Amen. And I had it, and I thought it'd be a good idea just to just stick it down in the bottom of my mama's purse and leave it there. It was there so long, y'all, I forgot it was there. I forgot I'd even put it there. And we were headed down the road. And my daddy was driving. We were headed down the interstate, probably 80 miles an hour or so. I don't remember where we were going, but we were going somewhere in a hurry. And all of a sudden, my mom started digging in her purse, looking for gum or something like that she'd be looking down in her purse for. Amen. And when she got down to the bottom where she was hunting for that gum, she she didn't find Big Red. Amen. But she found that snake down in the bottom. And she, wow, started screaming. (laughs) She thought it was real. She was teetotally terrified about what she found in the bottom of that purse. And I'm talking, I don't know if I ever saw my dad so irate. You know what he did once they found out it was a toy, and my mom's heart stopped palpitating, amen, she handed, uh, that. my dad grabbed that snake, and he, uh, he rolled the window down and threw it out of the window going down the interstate, and all I saw was my snake going <laughs> however, amen, down the interstate, probably landed on somebody's car, amen, and they probably had a heart attack when they had it in their car, amen. And I just caused all—I just caused, a, amen, all kinds of problems with that, amen. But I said that to say this: you know why all that happened? It's because in mankind there is a natural sense of evil that we attach to snakes. The reason is because of the very first person to ever wear that particular face, that particular image was the most wicked thing that has ever been in this world, everything we'd ever know. I think here that when we we use terminology in this world, we say that somebody that they're just they're just as wicked as a serpent. They just they're just as hateful as a snake. They're just and all we don't talk about snakes in a good way unless you're you know one of one of our uh, older country friends that always want to remind some of us that hate snakes. Well, you want to keep them around, preacher, because uh, they get rid of your rodents. That's fine. I can handle rodents, amen. I don't want to handle him, amen. And uh, and so. Uh, That's the only positive thing I've ever heard good about a snake. Amen. Here the devil is being described as that old serpent called the devil. What does he do? He deceives. Amen. The part of the activity of a snake is one of deception. Amen. They slither in. They'll hide in the rocks. They'll hide in a place where they feel camouflaged. And then when you reach in, they'll strike. Amen. And that is exactly the way the devil interacts in this world. Amen. That's what he wants for you and for your family. Amen. That's what he wants to do in your life. He's going to deceive you. He wants to deceive you. And that's what he does here for the first family. He calls him the old serpent. Look at chapter number 20 and verse number 2. I mentioned that a minute ago. God wanted you to understand clearly. God wanted you to have an answer, not just from what we understand from a context, not just because of what we can guess by behavior, but a clear Reference in the Word of God, who is the serpent? The Bible says in Revelation 20 verse 2, He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. The Bible here gives us clarity as to who this deceiver is. The Bible here gives us clarity as to who is coming in this garden to wreak havoc. So this morning we see the content. We see clarity. But then number three, can I say this? I want to mention something about the content of these verses. Notice the Bible again says now The serpent. What is a serpent known for outside of deception? What is something that a serpent does that they are known for doing? If you, if I were to ask my one, even my uh, smallest children, would you pray for them? Wyatt's sick this morning. Mama's sick this morning. So y'all, y'all pray for them. And uh, the, I didn't bring the little two, or the littlest two, because you can't keep them off Mama and you can't keep them off Big Brother. Amen. And uh, I have, I've been quarantined in my own house, which I don't, I don't enjoy. Uh, but I wanted to be here this morning, so I've done that and taken great measures to do that. Y'all pray for the littlest one. But I could, I could ask even little Maisie a little over a year old. Maisie, what does a snake sound like? And she'll go... Do you realize that hiss is what in the in 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 this word serpent? That's what the word serpent implies is the sound of a hiss. When God puts serpent, it means someone that'll hiss at you, someone that will uh, that is you know what for a serpent you know what that hissing is? It is a, it is a way of intimidation. When a snake looks at you and they they stick that forked tongue out and they'll go. They're trying to scare you. They're trying to intimidate you. Can I say this, there's a very real devil that wants to, wants to intimidate you in your life and calls you to do just exactly what my mama did when I put that fake snake down in the purse that it calls you to live in absolute terror. That's what the devil wants for your life. That you're afraid to do anything for God because of what the, de- the fear of what the devil can do. You're afraid to get saved uh, because of what the devil is doing in your life. He wants to intimidate you and take over uh, what, uh, your life in a very real way. The hissing is, a true, is the true nature of the devil uh, and we see it here even though we do not see him coming in the verse in that way. Notice how the Bible says that he comes. He doesn't come to Eve hissing, even though that's his real nature. He comes to Eve subtly. Not only does the devil want to to intimidate your life, but the devil wants you to get to the place to where you become comfortable around him and around his type things he's subtle. The word uh, subtle here uh, is is a word that uh, means that he is sly, that he is cunning, that he is crafty, uh, that he is deceitful. It carries the idea of being uh, treacherous. Amen. Uh, This word appears in our King James Bible 11 times, and the majority of those times it is translated as the word prudent. I mentioned this to the men yesterday. The word "what the word prudent means" in layman's terms is that you are you have plans that you are preparing for the end. At the start, that there is a wisdom to planning the end result of a certain activity before you enter into it. When the devil comes into the garden, he had a plan in mind, he had a goal in mind, and he comes in subtly and he ignores his true nature of intimidation and rebellion because he wanted to deceive. And so when he comes in, he comes in to deceive. Eve, he comes in with that in mind his goal was to absolutely wreck eve's future and adam's future as well can i say this when the devil comes in your life whether you're here and you're not saved amen or you even if you are saved when the devil approaches your life he comes to your life with one uh, with one purpose in mind with one goal and that is to absolutely wreck your life. If you think the devil is pleased with you and your wife being on good terms, think again. If you think that your that you think that the devil is okay with your babies being in church this morning, think again. And here is the idea of subtlety at its finest. Here is the idea of being a serpent at its finest. The, I mentioned a moment ago about a snake hiding themselves in, in a rock waiting to strike. You know one of the things about a serpent is that they are very patient. The devil is also described in the Word of God as a, as, as, a, as a lion like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'll mention that more in a minute as well. Do you know a lion is also very patient? When they're looking for prey, they'll hide behind the, they'll hide behind the tall grasses. They'll, they'll, as big as they are, you would think, how could they hide? But there's plenty to hide behind. And they'll hide and they'll wait for the perfect moment to strike. The devil's okay with waiting 18 years to get your children, if that's how long you can keep them. The devil is okay with waiting 20 years into a marriage, 30 years, 40 years into a marriage for that one moment where you may say, okay, I think we're going to make it. I hear, and and we say it jokingly, but I hear so many couples that have been married for many, many decades, they'll say, we've been married this long, I I think we'll make it. And I understand what we're saying, but if that's our true heart, we need to be careful. If we say that to the point where we realize where we're in our minds that we think it's okay to let our guard down, you underestimate the nature of the devil himself. It breaks my heart when I see people that have been married 40 years and their marriage busts up. Now How in the world does someone that is married and they're married 40, 50 years and now all of a sudden a divorce looks appealing to them after they've spent the better years and maybe even the best years of their life together and have literally built everything they had together and a divorce at that time begins to look appealing? It's because the devil is very patient. He'll wait for you to get comfortable. He'll wait for you to lay your guard down. And you see, that's the problem with Eve here. Isn't it interesting that the devil is so sly and so sneaky? And I don't know how everything existed in the garden. I'm just thinking about how things are today. Wouldn't it alarm you if a snake crawled up to you and started talking? I would say you had to be a pretty sly serpent to talk to me and me just be alright with that. Now I don't know, maybe in the garden all the animals could talk. My wife would love that, amen. (laughs) It would be like Beauty and the Beast all over again, amen. And she'd be okay with that, amen. But that to me if it operates the way it does today that would be pretty alarming. But she's not alarmed. There are a whole lot of things the devil does in our life that should be alarming if our spiritual senses are activated the way that we are. But we begin to be so comfortable with the life that we have, even the spiritual life that we have with God, that something that should be a red flag and should be alarming us is no longer alarming to us here we find that he comes in subtly, he comes in craftily he has a plan, he has a goal and he is determined uh, to see his goal accomplished and he is looking to wreck their future he is looking to destroy their fellowship with God their fellowship with God uh, relied on the fact that they kept the word that God gave to them that they faithfully obeyed the command of their God and the very first thing he does when he comes in is he tries to get them to disobey. If you think the devil is okay with your morning devotions, you're wrong. If you think the devil is okay with you being here this morning, you're wrong. You came in these doors this morning, you put a target on your back from the devil. He's already hissing in your direction. He hates it so much he's willing to wait just to see you fall. That's the nature of the devil. The Bible here is telling us that the devil had a goal in mind. His goal was to cause a divide in their home. His goal was to cause complete devastation in every other, on every other day that they would ever have. And that's exactly what he did. From this moment, their life would never be the same. Their fellowship with God was eternally altered. And because of this, our fellowship with God would never be what theirs was. The Bible talks about Adam walking with God in the cool of the day and enjoying God's physical presence in the garden. Have you ever had that? No. It was lost in Adam. The devil took something away from them they would never get back. There's things that the devil has in mind that he wants to take away from you that you'll never get back. Young person, you listen to me this morning. i know I know many of you are are, are, are young, but let me say this there 's something and, and i 'm telling you i 've seen it more times than not there 's a very real devil out there, young ladies, that wants to cause you to lose purity you 'll never get back. Young men, there's a devil out there that wants you to embrace things and lose your purity, and you lose uh, this innocence that comes with youth and and being young that you'll never get back. (laughs) One of the most beautiful things about the woman that I married is that still to this day, even at 27 years of age, there are things, and now I grew up in the public school system. I grew up very unsheltered in, in many ways. Now, I had a good upbringing. My parents loved us, and they, they did the best they could. But I'd say this, I was not raised the way many of you were raised, being told no to this and no to that. Listen to me, young people. If your parents have ever said, no, you need to cut that movie off, it doesn't please the Lord. You ought to thank God for that. I didn't have that. Most of, the thing, most of the bad movies I've watched, I watched with a grown up in my life, without a choice. I didn't have what many of you have. And I had it better than many that I knew. One of the greatest things about the wife God gave me is still at 27 years old because of how I was raised and because of what I came into contact with in the public school system. I'll look at her and I'll say, you don't know what that is? And at 27 years old, there's still a sweet innocence. No, I've never been around that. I've never heard of that. My wife, I went to public school. I knew well what pot smelled like. My wife didn't. So many things I could name. And I pick on her all the time about how sheltered she was, but I thank God for it. I've, 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 thanked, I've thanked Brian and Didi Herbst many times for how they raised their daughter. I've, I've thanked Stan and Teresa Wardlaw for how he faithfully shepherded her life many times down through the years before he went to heaven. The devil wants to rob that kind of adulthood from you young people. There are adults in this room that will tell you, I've lived it, I know it, there are scars that I can never wash away, because the devil had a plan for my life. The devil had a plan for me, and the devil was okay with, the devil's okay with using others to influence you if possible. If you don't believe that, ask Adam. The most precious person in his life influenced him to do wrong, and it plunged all of the human race into sin. There's a content here concerning the devil. The Bible says about the devil in John chapter number 10 and verse number 10. The Bible said, The thief cometh not. In other words, he only comes for this purpose. He said, The thief cometh not but for to steal. And to kill and to destroy. If he comes to your life, it will be to accomplish one or a combination of those three things. He's got something he wants to steal from you, he's got something he wants to kill in you, to want to end in your life, and he's got something he wants to destroy and dismantle in your life. God is the only individual in your life that only has good intentions for you. The devil has no uh, intentions of good or, or or right in your life, and even the people in your life at times can have the wrong priorities uh, for your life. They can give you uh, the wrong advice. There's people that you think you can trust, and I'm not just talking to the young people. I'm talking to all of us, amen. One thing life will teach us, and the Word of God will teach us, is there are so many people that we will put our faith in that can lead us wrong, and that May have bad intentions for us, but God's the only one that has perfect intentions in your life. The Bible tells us that it is not good to put our trust in man. It's not good for us to put our trust in princes. It is for, it's only uh, the only person we can truly put our trust in and never regret it is the Lord God Almighty. The devil has no desire for your life but to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I tell you, do not sell your life out to the devil. Sell your life out lock, stock, and barrel to the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone because only He will give you life and life more abundantly. You want to have blessings in life, you link up with Jesus. You may say, well preacher, I want to be a millionaire and Jesus may not make me a millionaire. That's fine. There's things that are worth more than cash. I'll tell you this morning, I don't have a million dollars in a bank, but you're looking at somebody that has more than that in my life. You're looking at someone that's a very wealthy man when it comes to what God has deposited into my life the banks of this world cannot contain what God has given me in Christ Jesus and cannot contain what he's given you. We see the content here in this passage concerning uh, this creature, but then secondly we see content concerning this conversation. I'm going to hurry through some of these remarks. Notice first of all here that when the serpent and the devil comes to cause destruction in our life, it is He that speaks first. Notice the Bible said, Now the serpent, verse 1, is more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And He said unto the woman. He came to her, not because she had called for Him or began to speak to Him. The people, it's, it's not just the people that are utilizing Ouija boards that are hearing from the devil. The ones that go looking for Him. I saw recently, I was, my wife, I don't remember, it was probably somebody at the church I'm sure at some point in time over the last year or so gave her a TJ Maxx gift card. So she realized she had it and said, well let's go to TJ Maxx so I can spend the gift card. And so that's what she's doing. That's all a gift card's good for is spending it anyway, <laughs> man. And uh, so she said, well let me go see what we can find at TJ Maxx. So we went in. And then TJ Maxx, they have a book that is decorative, decorated on the cover in such a way you can tell it is designed for children. And the title of that little book, little cardboard book, is entitled How to Read Tarot Cards. You can tell it's designed for kids. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed it in our stores, but I'm tell, any store you go, I noticed it the other day in Five and Below, getting some things uh, for something we were doing here at the church. We went into Five and Below and got some things for the kids and was getting some things for the church. I noticed on their book table that every, they have books that give details on how to be a witch and how to practice witchcraft. They're in the kids section, and they're designed for children. But I'll say this. It's not the ones that are grabbing the tarot cards are the only ones that the devil's talking to. It's not the people that are grabbing the Ouija boards and trying to talk to their dead ancestors and they're really talking to demon spirits of hell that the devil's talking to. Eve did not come looking for him, the devil came looking for her and here the devil comes looking for her and it's not that you're talking to him but he will come to you and you'll begin to start noticing that the devil is suggesting things in your life the forces of hell are suggesting things in your life they're tempting you and your mind and your heart to be a certain way your flesh in connection with with the devil's will is pulling you in a direction and is speaking things to you that's not true that causes you to question what you're being taught in this church what's and preached across this pulpit that will cause you to question things that you've read in God's very word. It's because the devil is the first one to speak. And when he does, notice what he says. First recorded words of the devil in Scripture. Yea, hath God said. In other words, did God really say that? The very first time the devil speaks in the Scripture, he's the very first, now remember I told you, he comes with a plan, he came with a goal. That's what it means, he's coming subtly, he has an end result in mind after prior planning, the first thing he chose to say, yea, hath God said. You know what the devil wants to do Primarily, primarily above anything else in your life? If you've got a Bible here with you, hold it up this morning if you can. The devil wants to put distance between you and that book. He wants to cause you to doubt that that book comes from God, and to doubt what the God of that book is saying to your life. Yea, if God said, the plan of the devil from the beginning was to cause the first family to doubt God's Word. To question. God's Word. That's why the class that we're having on Thursday nights, why we use the King James Bible, is so important to the Christian. Because I didn't realize this little devotion was going to turn into sermons. I'm done here. iPads off. That class is important because the devil has already got you to doubt God's Word if you cannot answer the question, what Bible is? God's Word. We here at Beacon Baptist Church we believe that the King James Version of the Bible is God's Word for English-speaking people. And I would say this, I believe not only is it God's Word just for us English-speaking people, but I believe the King James Bible is God's Word to get the church to the last days. I don't think there's ever going to be a need of a dispensation that would remove us from the English language. It is the language of the world. Has been for over 400 years. This is God's word. The issue with the modern and I I mentioned this to the men yesterday. You say, preacher, I've got an NIV. Is that God's word? That's a bigger subject than I have time in the what time I have left this morning to share with you. But I will say this you press every single person that translated that NIV. If the ones that are still alive, you, you press the ones that created that ESV. You create you press the ones uh, that that served on the committee that translated the new American standard that Charles Stanley uses and that John MacArthur uses and preaches to their people out of. You press those translators. James White, I believe, was one of them, one of the most anti King James only people on the planet. In my opinion, on the subject of the Word of God, one of the most arrogant people on the planet and deceptive as well, you press them to the bottom on it they'll say there's no such thing as a perfect Bible. No man can have a perfect copy of the Word of God. Every one of them they say has to have errors in it because it was translated by man. They'll say only the originals were inspired. Only what Moses wrote with his hand is inspired. Only what Paul wrote with his hand was inspired. Only what only what uh, Peter wrote with his hand is inspired of God, truly comes from God and expresses God's mind on paper. My answer to that is, is if, if God can use men and inspire the penmanship of men to give us the originals, why can't God use the penmanship and the intellect of man to preserve His Word in our language? That's Amen. Amen. right every one of them will say, your Bible cannot be the Word of God. It can simply contain the Word of God. That there's some verses that may be right, that may be completely trusted, that may be without error, but the whole book cannot be. I believe this book, from cover to cover, is the yeah. Word of God Amen. it contains the Word of God because everything in it is the Word of God Amen. my pastor used to say this with his Bible and I don't have it on mine but he used to say I even believe the cover it says Holy Bible Amen. I believe the spine yes. it says Holy Bible Amen. I believe every jot and every tittle of the scriptures came from God Amen. the devil wants you to question that right if you want more answers on that, that's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. I'd love to talk to you after the service. I'd love to invite you to our class on Thursdays to learn more. But <clears throat> the devil wants you to say, I just can't, I can't believe what God said. And we can go on from there. But that's what God wants. That's what the devil, excuse me, wants for your life today. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to take advantage of you in a moment of weakness. And when you're there to destroy your life, he wants to begin it with a conversation. Where you are? Where are you when it comes to this book? Can you really believe it? Did God really mean everything that He said? Can, is, is there something for you? On every page, you know one of the one of the ways that the devil is okay with causing you to doubt God's word. You may say, you know, preacher, from an intellectual standpoint, yeah, I believe that's the Bible, but if you don't read it every day, practically, you believe it's not God's word enough to matter for you today, for you to get by on it on your own, for you to go a week without reading it like you should, a month without reading it like you should. And remember, I told you the devil wants to put distance between you and that book you can be a so-called Bible believer and be so distant from that book. It is as effectively, it is doing as much in your life as those that say, I don't believe I have a Bible at all. Now, now I know I may not, may not be very popular preaching this morning, but I would say you give me somebody that is reading from something that's not God's word, but they believe that it is, And God is sovereign enough, he can do something with it than someone who has God's perfect word and never reads it and never believes it. Our God is able to do the impossible. If there's nothing too big for him, he can use something else. To help somebody along in their spiritual life. Here's the problem though the devil doesn't want you to grow. He wants you to question. He wants you to doubt. If you do, you'll never get beyond that and your Christian life is stunted. It'll never go any further. You won't cause the devil very big problems because you'll never grow in your faith. The Bible that I have is not just for my salvation, but it is also for my growth. If I can't get saved out of that book and I can't grow out of that book, it's not a book for me. The devil uh, the devil doesn't want you to have God's Word, but God's given you God's Word today. Let's listen to it. There's so much more I could say. That's just a little bit. Like I said, it wasn't planned. Just something I wanted to get off my chest this morning. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.